This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 178, Tax-Free Wealth with Tom Wheelwright. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. How would you like to have way more money and pay way less taxes? That is the promise of today's guest. Now, honestly, that's a quite a claim. And I wouldn't say it if he didn't say it. At the beginning and end of every podcast episode, he hosts. And that's right. I subscribe to this guy's show. I follow him. I think he's got some very interesting ideas. And I'd love to introduce you guys to Tom Wheelwright. Tom Wheelwright is a CPA, most famously the CPA and tax guy for Robert Kiyosaki. He's the CPA and CEO of WealthAbility, and he's written the best-selling book, Tax-Free Wealth, one of the rich dad advisors. He's the owner and active CPA of Wheelwright Manahan. He's a national and even global speaker, and he's the host of two popular podcasts, including WealthAbility. Wheelwright advises CPAs, accounting professionals, small business owners, entrepreneurs, and investors how to permanently and legally reduce their taxes by 10 to 40%. Previously, Wheelwright was a manager in the National Tax Office of Ernst & Young, adjunct professor in the Master's of Tax Program at Arizona State University for 14 years, and a Fortune 500 in-house tax advisor and tax lobbyist. So we go through a ton of material. And in fact, I try to stump him at the end on how many streams of tax-free income he could come up with. So wait for the end. I know you're going to love this episode. Enjoy the episode with Tom Wheelwright. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's great being here. Well, I, you've got a longtime fan with me. I listened to your show. Everyone else should check out your show uh, The uh, and the the content of your books and other material you put out there is just really remarkable. But I want to go way back to little kiddo Tommy. Uh, what was money like for you as a kid? And who first taught you about money? You know, I, I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. My father was an entrepreneur. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. And my great grandfather was an entrepreneur. Wow. So I, I have no excuses. <laughs> I had, I, it was in my blood to become an entrepreneur. So my mother actually taught me about money though, because my mother was the controller for my dad's print shop. Um, he actually had a fairly sizable printing company and uh, she, she I, I actually, we all worked in the business and I worked in bookkeeping and uh, cause I like numbers. I was a mama's boy. I loved, I, I loved working for my mom and she was brilliant and so, you know, we were, we talked about money all the time. So that, that was not a strange subject for us to be talking about. And what was a early lesson maybe you learned, if you can recall? <clears throat> Real estate, actually. Uh, my parents owned uh, duplexes and uh, I always remember the duplexes. I remember they always had rental property and, uh, and they always made sure that it was rented. They, they would price lower than the market because they didn't want any vacancies. And they'd actually have a list, like we were, we lived, uh, the uh, duplexes were right across from the university. And so we actually had, <laughs> we actually had a list of people that were 
you know, ready to rent if there was ever a spot come up because they were great landlords and um, and they had uh, and they had tenants. They had one tenant. I remember one tenant that was there for thirty years. Wow. So, yeah, it was uh, it, it was terrific. So that was a that was a great lesson right from the beginning that real estate is a uh, is just it's it's a great thing to have. You haven't lost that lesson as an adult. So take us to where you are today and wealthability. What is wealthability first of all, and then tell us what you help your clients do. So wealthability is fundamentally a system for reducing taxes permanently to build massive amounts of tax-free wealth. So um, what we do is we have a, we, we develop the system. It works um, as long as we have CPAs aligned with us that can, that know how to use the system, that are trained on the system. Then the system works every time. I mean, we typically will take an entrepreneur, uh, we'll take an investor, and we reduce their taxes by ten to forty percent in about the first three months. Okay, wow. and when we reduce taxes, it's permanent. So these aren't taxes that you're going to pay back when you retire. Okay, these are permanent tax reductions. And so what we have is, so we've actually developed a network of over 50 CPAs, uh, CPA firms around the world. Uh, we have them in the U.S. and Canada, and uh, they they're trained on our system. Okay, to help clients uh, build basically massive amounts of tax-free wealth uh, by understanding the tax law. So um, my love is education. My love is financial education, particularly tax education. And so uh, that's what, you know, that's primarily my role. Um, plus, you know, anytime I get to do a podcast, I love it. So thanks for this. Um, just because I love, I, I love talking to people. I love meeting new people. And, uh, and, and I love our clients. Um, we also take on new uh, CPA members. So, so, you know, some people will say, well, I really like my CPA. I said, great, let us train your CPA. And uh, so whether you're, you know, whether you're looking for a new CPA or whether you, you want your CPA trained, then WealthAbility is a good place to go. Fantastic. Well, and I want to go back to where you first met Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, I think a lot of people might know you as uh, his tax guy. Talk to me about your relationship, where you guys met, what happened. I mean, he's obviously into real estate just a little bit, you know, just a little bit. So where, where has that partnership, where did it begin and where has it gone since? So uh, uh, about 20 years ago, I broke up with a partner. And uh, when I broke up with the partner, um, uh, about half the clients left and went with the partner. All of the staff stayed with me. So I had all these great staff and I had no, and I didn't have enough work for them, but I knew how hard it was to find staff. So I didn't want to lose the staff. And so what I did was I went looking for a C, uh, another accounting firm to buy. And I found a CPA firm. Uh, turned out one of the clients was Robert Kiyosaki. And uh, so I like to tell people I bought Robert. Um, yeah. he, he doesn't really know that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, He's not here to deny it, though. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Well, I mean, the fact is I bought the CPA firm and one, he was one of the clients and uh, the, the, the CPA was actually on stage with him a lot, the, the person I bought it from and didn't have time to run their firm. Eventually, though, they left and Robert invited me on stage. And for the last 18 years, we've been uh, traveling the world, uh, teaching financial education and taxes to, um, you know, in, in Moscow and Kazakhstan and, and uh, Austin Te and Dallas, Texas and, and San Francisco, it doesn't matter where we're, we're teaching. Well, and around the world, this is one of the things that was a light bulb moment for me as I listened to some of your teachings and read some of your books. 
uh, is that the tax law around the world has some commonalities. I guess I'd be curious, your paradigm is that the tax law is just a series of incentives. Can you describe what those, like describe your paradigm of taxes? And then you also say you want to make them taxes fun and understandable. How does that work? So, so the, 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 on the first side, um, understand that the tax law in the U.S. is about 6,000 pages, just the law itself, not counting the regulations, rulings, anything like that. There's one line that says all income's taxable, unless we say it isn't. There's uh, another line that says nothing's deductible, no expenses are deductible unless we say they are. And then there's charts and tables, about 30 pages, tell you how much tax, what your tax rates are. Um, but then the rest of the tax law is really an instruction guide to reduce your taxes. And what, what happened was about 50 years ago, 60, sorry, about 60 years ago, I forget how old I am, um, about 60 years ago in the, in the 60s, uh, the, the US government started exploring this idea of using the tax law as an incentive. So they started with the investment tax credit was really the first big incentive. And they said, look, if we give people a small tax incentive to buy new equipment and expand their, 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 uh, their manufacturing capacity, will they do it? And it worked, okay? And so, you know, what they quickly realized was, well, wait a minute, people hate paying taxes. So if we give them a little, if we give the free market an incentive through taxes, we don't have to give that much away it's a very efficient way to give money away. And then we're getting other people to do what the government wants done. So for example, if the government wants uh, low-income housing built, uh, there's a low-income housing tax credit along with the depreciation. If they want to redevelop um, uh, difficult parts of a community, um, they have, uh, you know, we, we have this new opportunity zone tax benefit, right? If they want to, uh, uh, if, if they want to encourage people to send their kids to college, they give them a tax credit for sending your kid to college. If they want to encourage adoption, they give a tax credit for adopting. These are all tax credits that are there. Um, you know, you think about when somebody buys a house, you know, they're thinking, do I rent or buy a house? Well, what's for a lot of people, what's the primary difference? Well, I get a tax deduction if I buy the house, but I don't get a tax deduction if I rent the house. Okay, so those are really examples of incentives. And the reality is, is that while the incentives vary a little bit from country to country, they're very similar. So real estate's always an incentive. Uh, it is always highly incentivized in every country. Um, so is uh, business. Business is the most highly incentivized of all um, investment opportunities is business. Um, energy frequently, um, research and development. These are all things that are pretty common throughout different countries. In fact, other countries have bigger research and development benefits than we do in the US. Um, they even differ from state to state. You know, we have state income taxes in the US and, uh, the, and the states all have different tax benefits, but they all center around this idea that, look, if the government wants something to encourage an activity, they typically are gonna do it by providing incentives in the tax law. So what we do is we just key in on all those incentives and say, look, let's do what the government wants done and let's combine it with what you want to do from a wealth building activity. And then let's come up with a, a, a plan of action, what we call a, a wealth and tax strategy for building this, reducing taxes while building the wealth. So that's, mm -hmm. that's fundamentally. Now, why do I say it's fun? Well, because <laughs> the funnest thing in the world is to get a, that big, 
that first big tax refund. So when we work with a client, we're, um, you know, that, like I said, the first three, we work with them for three to six months before just developing the plan. But what happens every time is, is that we get that call after that first tax return is filed after we've done the planning going, oh my heavens, I got this giant refund. And they used to have to pay on April 15th and now I'm getting a big refund and they get a big smile on their faces and I'm going, that's pretty fun. Yeah. Okay. So I, I actually think taxes are fun anyway, because, um, you know, Einstein said it was quoted as saying that the most difficult thing in the world to understand is the income tax. And I'm going, well, if it's difficult for Einstein, it's probably something I should try out. I should try to figure that one out. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I love making it simple. I love making it understandable so that the average person, the average, even a brand new investor can understand the tax law and how to make it work for them on a daily basis. Sure. Yeah. Well, he, he might've had, uh, you know, uh, th theoretical physics, but you got the tax law. You probably got the short end of that stick, Tom. I'm sorry <laughs> I to probably say. did. And as far as fun goes, yeah, you're right. I think uh, there's not going to be many accountants invited to the party, but uh, if you gave that guy or, or gal a big fat refund, you better believe it. You're going to be served uh, the guest of honor at the next party they, they throw. So wh why is it so important for us to use that tax law as a roadmap uh, toward financial freedom? Well, because he, here's the thing. So, you know, I, I was explaining that the tax law is a series of incentives, right? And it's, and, and you really do have this roadmap, but here's the other thing that I don't think anybody's ever quite explained before. And that is that if you do what the government says you're, you want, you do that, the, do the things the government wants you to do and follow the tax law, you actually make more money. I mean, in, in fact, I mean, take a real estate investor. Okay. I know you have uh, real estate investors listening um, a real estate investor, actually, the, the way the tax law works is in order to not pay tax year after year, you have to continually reinvest. You have to continually reinvest. Okay, well, the government wants you to reinvest, right? Because basically, the government says, if you consume it, we're going to tax you. If you reinvest it, we're not going to tax you. So we very much have a consumption-based income tax. And so what does that mean? It means that, that investment actually has to become an addiction, okay? Something that you do on a constant regular basis. Well, if you do that on a constant regular basis, you're going to make more money. So to me, the tax law is not just a roadmap for reducing taxes. It's a roadmap to building wealth. I mean, it's an amazing roadmap for building wealth. Well, you're, and you're exactly right. It's a, it's a phenomenal perspective. And it's it's quite honestly, it's been around for 60 plus years, but it's so interesting that we all as taxpayers only view it from our perspective, what we have to do, it's April 15th all over again, but you're describing it from the government's perspective. Uh, they don't want to be the, uh, the builder of last resort, so to speak, for all the real estate in this country. So they've farmed it out to us uh, private individuals to do the work. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, for, for better you know, or worse, you know, not bringing politics into the conversation, they're, they're farming it out, they're outsourcing it to all of us to get the job done and rewarding us for it. Is that kind of a summary of what you've said? That's exactly. And it doesn't matter if it's real estate or oil and gas, for example, we're, the old, right. we're one of the few countries where an individual can actually own oil and gas hmm. and drill for oil and gas. And so, you know, the government's long had a national pol uh, uh, an actual, um, policy from a security standpoint that we don't want to be dependent on foreign oil. And so it encourages huge tax benefits, encouraging you to invest in drilling uh, uh, production. Um, uh, 
other renewable energy sources. I mean, any, anybody who uh, has bought an electric car, they know that there's a $7,500 tax credit to buy that electric car, right? Not Teslas anymore, but most electric cars, you can still get that. Even on a Porsche, you can get a $7,500 $7, tax credit. Well, that's just an encouragement. That's the government's contribution to you buying an electric car and helping with the clean energy in the environment. So um, er everything the government wants done, they what they've learned over the years is that the free market is generally a better place to do it, okay? Even when it comes to employment, you get much more production I, I have to laugh. I was at a conference the other day and uh, some, some of the big wigs at the IRS were talking and they're patting themselves on the back about what a great job they've done this year. Well, they had three months off with pay for doing nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Those yeah. of us who actually work for a living that aren't in government, we actually had to work during that time or we were unemployed during that time, right? We, so so we, they weren't really affected by the pandemic and we were. Well, that's the, to me, that's the great thing about entrepreneurship and, and the whole idea of having an economy that's based on free markets. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of capitalism, a huge fan of entrepreneurship, um, because we're going to do it better as entrepreneurs than the government will ever do it, including employment. Uh, employment is always done better at the, at the um, entrepreneur level than it is at the government level. So that, so again, there are tax benefits for it. It's just uh, the wisdom of the crowds, you know, as opposed to a few people in DC versus millions of entrepreneurs. Now, tell me, Tom, um, you're, you and also Robert are very famous for talking about the cash flow quadrant and the four types of income earners. Could you one, describe those four? And then two, which ones are, I guess, more available to some of these tax incentives that you're describing? So there, you know, like I said, there's four quadrants that Robert talks about in his book, Cash Flow Quadrant. And the first is employee, right? The um, second is uh, self-employed or superstar or um, a specialist, right? Solo practitioner. Solo yeah. practitioner, mm -hmm. any small business. Uh, and then there's B, which is big business, over 500 employees. And then there's I, which stands for insider or professional investor. And really, you can make a lot of money in any one of those. Okay. The, the interesting thing, though, is that how you make your money has a big impact on how much tax you pay. So as an employee, and this is true in the U.S. as well as around the world, if you make a good income, you're going to pay about 40% in taxes. If uh, when you move into that self-employed realm, frequently what happens is you end up paying more tax. So you may end up paying up to 60% tax because wow. you're, you're paying both the employer side and the employee side. Okay, and you move into big business and then you get the Warren Buffett syndrome that says Warren Buffett pays less tax than his secretary, right? Because they're in a 20% tax bracket approximately. And then you get the professional investor and the professional investor, um, as we saw with the whole thing about Donald Trump and his income tax with the New York Times, they pay zero, okay? Well, Donald Trump would really have to have the dumbest uh, accountant in the world to pay tax, as much debt and real estate as he has. And so it makes total sense. He pays no tax. What was surprising to me is that he actually paid $750. I don't know where that came from. Um, but literally, I, I was not at all surprising to me that he would pay no tax. And, and that's true. Any accountant that looks at what he does go, of course, he doesn't pay any tax. That's the way the tax law works. Now, here's the key, though. So you don't have to be big to get the benefits of the big business. The small business 
if they behave like the business and take advantage of all the laws that they can, that they can and they have a good team around them, they can actually get the same tax rate as the big business. So you don't have to be at 60%. You can be at 20%. The small investor doesn't have to be, even if they're an employee, they don't have to be at 40%. They can, they can be a professional investor and, and get the 0% tax rate even while they're still employed. So there are, you know, it's, it's that, it's not that you have to be big or, you know, the B in the I corner. It's that you have to behave like those guys. I mean, you have to have the team, you have to have the financial education and you have to be willing to do those things that those guys do. And, if, you know, if you're lazy and you don't want to deal with it, um, you want somebody else to handle your money, then you're just going to fall into the Wall Street trap of giving your money and uh, retire poor. And that's basically right. the Wall Street trap. Wall Street trap. Uh, is, is it you that kind of talks about uh, um, retail amateur investment products versus wholesale versus direct? Could you describe that for a moment? That, that would be me. That, would, that, is, that, is, that is my little way of uh, explaining how investments really work, Okay. Um, because here's what people always say, you know, Wall Street will always say, if you want higher rewards, you have to take more risk. Well, that's only true if you're a real retail investor, okay? As long as you stay in that retail investment lane, which is stocks, bonds, mutual funds, um, it's uh, uh, real estate investment trusts, ETFs. You know, that, it, the, yeah. ETFs, that kind of stuff. You're going to be in that realm of, if I, I'm going to pay, I, I'm, I'm going to take higher risk to get better returns. Um, if you look at the wholesale level, that's what we call private equity, okay? And private equity means is only available to a certain class of people. Actually, the way the law works, it's only available to the 1%, okay? It's not available if you're not in the 1%. And so, you know, the, the government, the politicians might want to say all day long, okay, we're, you know, we, we want to, we need income redistributed, we, you know, we hate the 1%, etc. And yet, the government itself says you can't invest in that private equity lane, which is the wholesale lane, unless you're in the one percent. So it's, it's a lot like a Sam's Club or or Costco membership. You know, you you have to be a private member to be able to buy these certain goods right. wholesale. Which that's uh, right. And so so basically, if you're getting a a five percent return retail um, wholesale, you know you're always going to double your return, right? You're going to get a ten percent return. So you want to get a 10% return, but you have to be in that class of people. Now, here's the great thing though. Anybody can buy factory direct, okay? You can actually create your own business. You can, you can buy your own real estate. You can, um, you can you know, build your own real estate. You can uh, invest directly in oil and gas uh, ventures. I mean, there's all sorts of things you can do as a, not a wholesale investor, but actually a direct investor. And the direct investors, of course, factory, charges half as much, right, as wholesale. So instead of making the 10% at the wholesale level, you're making 20% at the factory at the factory direct level. So, you know, people who go, well, I'm not in that 1%, what do I do? Well, you can actually get higher returns. You just have to spend more time at it and be more involved with it yourself rather than turning it over to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the metaphor works great. I mean, if you're buying factory direct, it's going to mean a little more time, a little more energy, a little more uh, education than just buying your sweater at the gap. But you can get it at a great deal and maybe even sell it to somebody else down the road at, at a markup. Uh, so I, I love the concept, love the idea. Tell me, Tom, what's on the horizon for real estate? 
and also taxes. We have now a new, sounds like a new president uh, as we're recording this. It's still yet to be official, but uh, you know, we've, we've got, it sounds like a new administration, but a split Congress. So where do you see tax law going? And also real estate. What are some opportunities that you're seeing some some um, parts of the uh, real estate space, whether it's storage units or, or you know, just kind of take it where you'd like to go. Where do you see the advantage both well, on the well, tax side well, and real estate? First of all, I think that, um, you know, one thing's for sure, taxes aren't going down, right? This uh, there, There's one thing we absolutely know is that this next administration is not going to lower taxes for anybody. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to, you know, the, the pledge was, I won't raise taxes. If you're under, if you're under $400,000, there was no pledge. I'm going to reduce taxes if you're under 400,000. And the reality is that in the end, all the money is in that, is that in that under $400,000 range. So it, they will, you know, the, the people under $400,000 will get raised taxes too. Now, if Georgia goes to the Republicans, at least one of them, then there's not going to be any tax. I mean, the, the, uh, Joe Biden will get nothing. Okay, even if it, even if it, Georgia went to the Democrats, both of them, which is highly unlikely, but let's say it did, then what would happen is is that you'd have a split Senate 50-50, and and uh, Kamala Harris, the vice president, would break the tie. Well, that means that technically the Democrats have the majority, but you have conservative Democrat senators, and those conservative senators. Uh, are going to have a lot of clout. They're going to have a lot of power. And they're going to say, look, we might be willing to go along with some things that, you know, don't have a big impact on the economy, but we're not going to go in for these wholesale tax increases that, you know, this $4 billion tax plan that Biden has set out. That's not, that's not going to happen. I don't think there's any question. We're not going to get a um, $4 trillion tax increase. That's not going to happen in the next four years. So what's likely to happen? What's likely to happen is small things, but not big things in the next four years. Now, the one thing that will happen, I think, is that we'll get incentives towards clean energy. And so if, if you really wanna know where the tax benefits are, follow what the government's saying as what their, where their policy is headed. So the policy is headed away from oil and gas and towards clean energy. Well. Okay, so to me, one of the best real estate deals uh, in recent history was cell phone towers. I was absolutely one of the best real estate deals ever, right? I mean, right up there with billboards. Um, billboards a little older, but you know, billboards are great because they require very little maintenance and it's really easy. Uh, cell phone towers are even better because you build it once and, and they come and that's it, right? Well, you're going to have the same idea with clean energy because you're going to have windmills. You're going to have um, uh, charging stations for electric vehicles. You're going to have, um, you, you know, so anything that you can think of clean energy wise, your wind energy, solar energy, all of that, that's certainly the big policy shift in this new administration. I think that's probably one of the biggest policy shifts. And so if that's going to be the policy, you can guarantee that there are going to be tax benefits that follow that policy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So to me, I always look for, uh, I, I look for, first of all, where's the government going? Okay. Then I have to look at where's the, what's the Fed doing? Cause you never bet against the Fed, right? And the Fed's not going to raise interest rates. And when it comes down to it, all you're looking for is cash flow. So, uh, you know, I, I keep looking at, you know, if I'm evaluating a real estate deal, 
I'm really looking at, first of all, do I understand the industry? Okay, because I have to understand the industry. Else, why am I investing in it? And second of all, is there good cash flow even when the occupancy goes down? Okay, so even if there's low occupancy, can I still get enough cash flow to pay all my expenses and my debt? If so, then I'm golden. And, and to me, that's the simple analysis of any deal. It doesn't matter, you know, the cap rate doesn't even matter. Okay, so we talk about cap rates a lot in real estate, but the reality is what matters is, is there cash flow? Okay, and if there's cash flow, then we can weather the storm. Right. If, if it crashes next year or two years from now or five years from now, it doesn't really matter as long as we got good cash flow coming in on the project. So I would just follow where's the where, where are the new opportunities? Probably wherever the new administration takes their policy is where there's going to be a lot of opportunity, especially with, you know, government will get bigger under this new administration. Government got a lot smaller the last four years. It's going to blow back up like it did under Obama. Um, uh, Joe Biden loves, 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 loves big government. And uh, so, you know, I would look for real estate in, in, in government, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, government offices and government housing and, you know, things that, that, that um, uh, where, where the government's going to expand. Look at where would the government expand? There's going to be real estate opportunities in those places. Well, we're, we're in the midst of uh, the pandemic as well. And I'd be curious as to your thoughts as to things like office space and other maybe traditional real estate as it will possibly be affected by foreclosures and more. Do you want to say anything about that before we change gears? Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, commercial real estate is, is, is going to have a challenge. It's going to have challenges over the next few years. People have gotten used to being on Zoom calls. Um, they're, you know, they're used to doing it remotely. Um, a lot of people like being home and if they don't like, they don't want to be home all the time, but they, they wouldn't mind being home two or three days a week. Okay. Or they may not even want to work in the big city anymore. Right. So I, I, I don't think it's going to be as drastic as it's been. Right. I think that once the, the vaccines come out this month, you know, and, and, and get into the general population, I think that people will start moving back into the cities and the cities will come back to life. I, I just think that what you're gonna see is you're gonna see a lot of office sharing. So like for us um, in, in our office, we're, we're actually put, uh, moving into a new office in the building that I own. And it, one of the offices will have three different people in that office because they don't come in at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're just gonna rotate, you know, they come in, they'll, they'll have their own um, uh, filing cabinet right? Each one will have their own filing cabinet but for their personal stuff, but we have a single table that all of them will use and a single computer there that all of them can log into onto. And I think you're going to see a lot of that. So I think that somebody who's typically might have 10,000 square feet might now have 5,000 square feet. I think they're still going to have the 5,000 square feet. It's just going to be, I think the smaller offices actually will do better because I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of downsizing in office space. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. Well, I I have kind of a lightning round I wanted to have with you here as we wrap up. Uh, And I thought maybe we'd do this sort of as a game a little bit uh, where we we sort of throw out, maybe I'll I'll start with as many as I can think of. And then I'd love to have you just run it as far, uh, run that ball as far downfield as you can. How many different streams of tax-free income can we come up with together? 
Uh, and I'd love, I'll, I'll say a few, you give me your one sentence reaction to them, you know, great idea, terrible idea, something to watch out for, you know, you kind of get what I'm going for here, uh, where yeah. I just say, for example, Roth IRAs. Uh, okay. So gut thoughts, reactions to a Roth IRA, pros, cons, indifferent. Uh, great idea. If you're investing in ordinary income type property, like um, uh, stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Okay, mm -hmm. absolutely terrific for that. Terrible yep. for real estate, terrible for yep. real estate. HSAs for retirement income and health, uh, health insurance. Uh, well, HSAs generally are great because they're, you know, it's a tax deduction that you wouldn't other always get. So why not, instead of not deducting your healthcare costs, deduct them. So HSAs okay. are great. Great. Um, what about uh, depreciation on real estate? Would you count that rental income that uh, you can that, deduct? That's, that's probably the best. Right now, yeah. uh, rental real estate would be absolutely your best cash uh, uh, tax-free income because not only is you have the depreciation, but you can do a 1031 exchange and you can borrow money and, and borrowing money is not is tax-free. And then when you die, all of the income tax goes away. So buy, borrow, die. Um, yeah. buy, borrow, die. There you go. It's great. So, um, so that would be the best. Love it. Um, speaking of real estate, what about reverse mortgages? F thoughts on that? Um, uh, you know, that's the type of thing that depends on the person. Right. I mean, it, it, it really does. Uh, a, a reverse mortgage can be great and it can also, you know, kill people. So you, you just got to be I mean, that's one of those things where you need a good advisor like you um, to actually walk down and walk somebody through. OK, sure. yeah, this makes not, good, not a good, good deal for everybody. Bad idea, but it could Absolutely. be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree with you on that. Uh, what about life insurance as an income stream? Uh, yeah, life insurance. Again, tax-free, tax-free for life, tax-free on death. So <laughs> I like tax-free now and tax-free later. So life insurance is great. Awesome. Um, can you think of any more that I'm not thinking of? Uh, Mini buns yeah. maybe or, yeah. Sure, a uh, business, uh, uh, business, okay? You, right now we can, you can, you can build a business, um, uh, have it for five plus years, sell the business tax-free, okay? Mm -hmm. So you can actually cash out tax-free. Um, business is the only thing you can cash out of tax-free. Okay. So, so business is probably the best of all tax shelters is business. Um, it's also your best return on investment is your own business. And you can combine it with real estate because you can own the real estate that houses the business. Um, wow. so, so to me, business, 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 uh, clean energy is, it, it, again, is a terrific, um, and it goes forever. See, the thing about clean energy is, uh, wind energy goes forever. You never you never run out of wind, okay? Whereas like oil and gas, you, you deplete it, right? So oil and gas is good, but it runs out. Whereas real estate doesn't run out, um, uh, but it wears out. Um, oil, uh, clean energy, renewable energy never wears out. So I think renewable energy is one of the best, uh, both from a tax standpoint and from a uh, an income stream standpoint. So I'm a big... I'm a big fan that entrepreneurs are going to make a lot of money in renewable energy. Well, that's a hopeful way to end the episode there, Tom. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, I'd like to, I guess, give you the chance and our listeners the chance to learn where they can find you. You're all over the place, but where can they, <laughs> where can they find you? Well, certainly the Wealth Ability Show. So my podcast is uh, thank you for being a subscriber. And uh, I love doing it. I get to meet all sorts of great people. Uh, my book, Tax-Free Wealth, is, uh, uh, it's been a perennial bestseller. Um, it's always been number one as its category um, on Amazon, but it's selling, we sell more now than we've ever sold before. I think that's thanks to Joe Biden. 
Um, so I appreciate that, Joe Biden, because um, you scared the daylights out of people and buying my book. It's great. So tax-free wealth is a good place to go. And then, of course, you know, if you if you really want person-to-person, um, -person, hands-on stuff, or you want some really good financial education from a tax standpoint, just come to wealthability.com. Very good. Thank you, Tom, for all you're doing and uh, pushing back the frontiers of ignorance uh, on taxes and making it fun and understandable for all of us. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Mark. Thank you again, Tom Wheelwright, for coming on our show today and just showing us the, the truth behind the curtain, the tax curtain, as it were. I mean, who else besides Mr. Tom Wheelwright could say that there's nothing more fun than a giant tax refund? Uh, well, I guess that's probably true if, if you can spend that tax refund any way you want to. I mean, I could think of like some bouncy house or like a huge party or something, but no, tax refund, I'll put it in the fun category for sure. Yeah, taxes aren't bad. That was another big wake-up call or takeaway I took from my interview with Tom. Taxes are not bad. They're actually a series, the tax law anyways, a series of incentives. Things like investing in real estate, uh, investments, energy, research and development. There's incredible opportunity in the tax law if you put your money where the government has desires, goals, incentives, and more. The government wants to encourage something and, and, and it looks like they have those in mind. They don't want to be in the real estate business. They don't want to nationalize their energy sources. They want to keep it private. So they'll incentivize us mere mortals, us individuals to put money into and invest into these different sectors, these different industries. So if you combine what the government wants in terms of their needs and your needs and desires and goals, uh, you can build a tax and wealth strategy. They go hand in hand. It's like dancing a little bit. So if you look at the tax law, less like something to be afraid of and more like a roadmap to wealth, you'll make way more money and pay way less taxes. Boy, I felt like Tom Wheelwright just saying those words. So thanks again, Tom, for coming on our show. And guys, thank you for listening to the interview again today. One final call, one final shout out. We have got a new brand spanking new membership site that I want to invite you to. We're going to have private groups where you can get into budgeting. You can get into helping your kids go to college. You can look into the details of taking loans from your bank on yourself type policies, paying it back. You can get in community with other people who have done it or are wanting to do the bank on yourself strategy. You can dive deep into exactly how this works for real estate investing or anything else that comes across your mind as you get into the strategy of bank on yourself. So we're going to have live events, private only to the members of that private uh, off Facebook group. It's the not your average financial community and you are invited right now. It's free might not always be free to those who sign up later, but it's free right now. It's the not your average financial community. Now's your chance. You can check us out at notyouraverage.mn.co. That's notyouraverage.mn.co. We'd love to have you. It's always better when more of us are there. And I mean all of us, and I mean you. So come on and let's have fun together on this new, brand new financial community where we can reach our potential, reach our goals, and take action in this new year. So again, that's notyouraverage.mn.co. It's in the show notes as well. And guys, Tom and everyone, thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your taxes, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast.
to join the financial revolution and start thinking different about money. Go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.